Welcome to this week of Burn It All Down. It's the feminist sports podcast you need. I'm here today with my wonderful co-hosts, Shereen Ahmed and Lindsay Gibbs. Today on the show, we're going to talk about aging and retirement in sports on the heels of some surprising and not so surprising retirements and unretirements. Metaphorically burn the garbage in sport this week and celebrate those who are trying to change all that. Before we get to that segment, I want to ask both of you, we are recording on Monday morning, so very, very happy. Welcome to the week. What the fuck happened in sports this week for you? Anything funny, quick, quick little thing, Shireen? I am obsessed with women's hockey and I shall remain that way for a very long time. (laughs) Um, My what's good is going to be all about soccer but it's a bit of a plot twist (laughs) but I'm happy I like sports (laughs) okay cliffhanger speaking of hockey um Justin Bieber redesigned the Maple Leafs jersey and it looks like a more like a weed leaf than ever and (laughs) it's so weird yeah well that's that's just legal up here so we good right down here too quit exoticizing us Shireen um, in the U.S., I mean, come on, we're... Lindsay, are you guys legal with weed? Are you even allowed to say so? Legal with weed—that was the. <laughs> Kids these days, what are you doing down there? Um, are you legal with weed? It's Monday morning. I'm just gonna repeat: it's Monday morning. <laughs> oh my god so i i I actually did go to a leafs game the one that you speak of and justin bieber was there but i did not meet him or hang out with him i think it might happen with the beebs i'm a believer so like they did give me a jersey the toronto maple leafs invited me to this game against the new jersey devils and i've never in my entire 25 28 years of living in the city i've never been to a maple leafs game i've avoided it successfully because i'm a Habs fan even though they're a trash team organization but i went and it was fun i got free food and i got to hang out with my friends a lot of melanated people and it was pretty pretty fucking awesome well don't tell us whether whether the jersey inspired any activities but i'm glad that you had fun Lindsay, anything before we move on to issues of substance? Uh, This has gone, I feel like, more off the rails than usual Uh, in our intro. I don't know. I think. Uh, No, I mean, look, my whole world, if you've been following me on Twitter, my whole world's women's basketball these days. Um, I'm just kind of been completely engaged into the tournament, I've been covering it. And I just will say, like, I mean, Reina Perez's steal and layup uh, at the end of that NC State Notre Dame game. I didn't get to watch it live because I was in another press conference. But uh, that that's a sport moment that was, like, electrifying. So that's that's my cool sports moment. So in this segment, we're going to talk about hanging up the boots, the rackets, the skates, uh, retirement and aging in sport, as sports is a way to think through a lot of um, social issues. And we argue on this show, deeply connected to politics and inequality. Aging is another one of those topics that comes up a lot and in interesting ways in sports. So 
if we're meditating upon all that, part of it's because there's been some really, you know, kind of dramatic and surprising recent news. Linz, what's going on in the tennis world? Yeah, 25-year-old Ash Barty, the Australian tennis player, suddenly announced her retirement um, this week. If you're unfamiliar, let's just do a quick recap of her story. She's won three majors, including the 2019 French Open on clay, on grass at Wimbledon last year. And then just this January, as we've discussed, she won the Australian Open. She was the first Australian player in 44 years to win her country's Grand Slam. Um, She's spent 121 weeks at the number one ranking, including the past 114. She's very, very good and um, has been a lot to the sport. And it's a surprise to see a player um, retire so young and at the peak of their sport, of their abilities. But Ash has always been a little bit different. She actually retired in her teens and went and became a cricket player and then returned to tennis. So she had an early burnout, left the sport, came back, dominated, and now is leaving at 25. And she announced it via an Instagram video. And I know how much work it takes to to bring the best out of yourself. And it's just I don't have that in me anymore. I don't have the the physical drive, the emotional um, want and and kind of everything it takes to, to challenge yourself at the very top of the level anymore. And I think I just know that I'm absolutely, I, I, I am spent. Um, I just know physically I, I have nothing more to give. And that for me is is success. I've given absolutely everything I can um, to, to this beautiful sport of tennis and I'm really happy with that. And for me, that, that is my success. Which I just loved is a very different way of kind of reframing, um, success. And there's so many noteworthy things about this that I think we'll get to in and out of our discussion here. But one is that, you know, she's earned $24 million in her short career. And that's a testament to the work Billie Jean King and the original nine did, um, building the WTA. It's work that's, you know, we talk about women's sports leagues now, you know, that work uh, began in the early 70s. (laughs) So it's been 50 years in the making, but it's significant that a female athlete's able to retire at 25 with generational wealth. And um, it's certainly a privilege not a lot have, but I have so many thoughts and feelings this. Like I said, we'll we'll get to it. Yeah, there's a lot of aspects of, you know, this topic, whether it's you know, retiring at a young age or trying to extend your athletic life, which has also been a big sort of theme because there's been a seismic change. It's interesting to see Ash retire so early. What we've kind of been noting over the last years is people retiring so late, Um, people sticking around so much more often looking at the World Cup and how many of these athletes um, are now well into their 30s. And we just did not see that in the in the past in the same way um and so it's interesting because traditionally there's a a very especially with women little data very little studies done on age and sport and so there's this assumption you know that women in particular don't really matter after the postmenopausal age like if they were going to play sports. It was just to make their bodies ready to have babies, you know, um, and become better mothers. So once they're done with that, you know, just who cares? 
So we've been seeing some of the first studies come out and they're pretty dramatic about how good it really is for you to keep trying to play both team sports and any vigorous exercise as you age. It slows cognitive aging and helps with longevity, improvement in depression. And this is even more pronounced in older people than it is for younger people. So it's it's kind of a seismic shift over the years. And Ash has really, really went into a different direction in a professional sense. Um, but like you said, she'll probably find different ways to, to stay competitive. She doesn't seem like somebody who's at a loss for things to do with herself. Um, Jereen? So um, Stuart Kim, a geneticist at Stanford University, does research on genetic factors of injury. And this is when we talk about retirement. Um, He talks about how the biggest reason why athletes retire is that careers are shortened or ended because of reoccurring or accumulated injuries over a period of time. Because don't forget, elite athletes begin as young as, like we're talking gymnastics, as young as five for a little bit older and some other things. But presumably by 10, they're fully involved in this type of rigorous practice, discipline, sports-specific training, et cetera, et cetera. And so uh, Dr. Kim does work on the genetic relationship to injuries like stress fractures. So basically the argument is also genetic um, predisposition to injury will affect contract negotiations. So if you have Um, an ACL tear that's common in your family, or you have the genes that are connected to that, it will affect your quote unquote market value. Now, this is a a piece that we'll have in the show notes. It was actually an interview with Jeff Berkovici, who wrote a book called Play On, and it's about aging athletes. And I thought that this was just really interesting because we don't think about that. Like I didn't think about market value of aging athletes, but that's a very real thing in these systems that are predicated upon money and capitalism and all those things. But like, we know that shiny newer things are more supple and more agile, but like experience counts a lot in competition. It counts so much. So like, how do we value, but also maintain because the natural process of the body is to age. So, I mean, I think about all of these things. I like, this has had me thinking. I'm in my feelings about this one, Brian. <laughs> well, as the um, senior sect of this crew, um, I think we might be the right people <laughs> to talk about our feelings <laughs> with this. We, we're, we all, you know, it, it's been interesting as I was reading about this. One of the things I didn't realize was the huge kind of industry it is among older athletes to spend their own personal money. Um, to try to avoid those injuries. And they do it in different ways. LeBron James said he spends about a million dollars of his own money a year for private treatments and anti-aging treatments. That's an astronomical (laughs) sum. Roger Federer says he sleeps in some weird chamber 12 hours a day. So... You know, I guess one thing to remember in all of this is that, like, yes, we've seen all these inspiring careers and all these Olympians, but, um, you know, for for those of us at a, a regular, you know, sort of amateur level and amateur amount of money, um, and with our broken ass healthcare system, these things aren't just necessarily possible, and they really do help. They talk about the ways in which being able to sleep twelve hours allows. Federer to repair his body and to be fresh in different ways. And for a lot of us who have different kinds of jobs and kids, there's just no way I'm getting 12 hours of sleep a day. I don't get eight hours of sleep a day. 
I don't know what that would even look like. I have aging parents and well, we all do, but like, you know, that are, my dad's his late seventies and um, my mom is 69 for the seventh time this year. It's like, I see them sleeping all the time. I used to be able to fully function on four to six hours of sleep. I'm not like that anymore. It's harder for me literally in the morning and I'm still playing soccer and me playing soccer is not as pretty as it used to be like the after effects. Like I get up in the morning and I'm like, I feel that in places where I should not, but I do it has a lot to do with not being in shape as well after two years, but it also has a lot to do with like, I can't play the way that I wanted to like in my head. I'm moving, like if I'm deking someone out and turning, like going right, right. I move a lot slower than I think I am. So then I play, you know, competitively, but once a week. So like, I'm sure if I, you know, had a whole staff, it would look different, but I am the whole staff of this house. <laughs> like, would I like to slow down aging? No, I'm contemplating even like the coloring my gray hair. I don't even like, I haven't even done that. So like, can I be committed to anti-aging processes? No, probably not. Right. I mean, it's it's just a it's a fascinating little industry to think about and to think about who has access to the most kind of cutting edge techniques. And there's also just the struggle of, you know, giving up. You can understand something like we were saying that you've played since you were five years old or whenever or has been a central part of your social life, your mental health. And people really struggle giving it up, even with injuries facing them. So, you know, there is a a real reconciliation with what can my body do? What do I want it to do? How much am I going to press it? You know, I guess there's a different age that that happens for everybody. And it's kind of just a fascinating process. How's it worked in women's basketball, Lynn's? I think it's very interesting because we talk about LeBron and we talk about Tom Brady and all these things and all the money they're spending. And then, you know, on the other hand, you kind of have female athletes who are trying to push their careers later and later, um, like Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi, I'm thinking, in basketball, of course. And both of them have completely overhauled their diets in the last five years and their fitness plans and pay for personal trainers. They don't go overseas anymore. That's the thing you see with a lot of the WNBA players, even though the big, the biggest paycheck can come from overseas. Mm-hmm. I think once they reach a point in their life where they're making money through endorsements and everything, they kind of decide the best thing to do is, you know, play the shorter WNBA season and try and make more money through merchandise deals and things like that. Um, another thing I think about, so I I'm 35 and I noticed even travel these days is like harder for me. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't bounce back after long drives (laughs) and plane rides. And so then you think about these WNBA players still being on commercial flights, right? And you think of how much that hurts the, you know, as the aging process. I remember, I think it was Candace Parker um, who, when they were in the bubble, the WNBA bubble in the 2020 season, she kind of said like, This is actually in weird ways because I don't have to hop on a flight between things like this is easier on my body because I'm not doing all of this travel. So on the other end of the spectrum, we see athletes like a Lauren Chaney slash Lauren Holiday um, retiring very early, not because she's a she definitely feels like she's done or, you know, everything, but because her husband makes a lot more money in his pro job and they want to start a family. And this is the most logical thing to do. So you see the lack of money that women athletes make really shorten their careers. You know, if they're trying to prioritize other things, it might just not make logical sense for them to continue um, being a pro athlete. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And as we we talk about women and families and athletes and they use their bodies to, for their careers, essentially, I think about some of them like really legendary ones, like Formiga, 43. She was the oldest footballer in Olympic history, seven appearances at the Olympics. Like that's, that's wild. And, you know, like I always joke that, you know, there's this person, whether it was Formiga or Jean-Luigi Buffon, former uh, goalkeeper for Italy playing in their forties. I was just like, yeah, keeping it for the old people, but just watching their training sessions exhaust me. So like, I can't imagine the mental acuity required for this as well, because it's not just a physical thing. And like, these are players that have played for decades. They've battled systems of homophobia, systems of sexism, systems of classism. And those are fights that I think we also need to take into consideration here. And, and that is exhausting as well. So the fact that Formiga played and stayed as long as she did where she did is for me, is it's like unbelievable. So another fascinating aspect of this is the nostalgia one and the, the narratives of retirement. I read when I was prepping for this about Steve Kerr saying that, he said, quote, Phil Jackson used to talk about retiring from playing as a death and tell us we all had to prepare for the loss. I used to think he was being dramatic, but now I understand exactly what he was talking about. So I think we've all been waiting for like five years for the Messi and Ronaldo era <laughs> to end. And um, it's been so rare to have in soccer, in world football, even one player that has influence over a game of 22 for so long. And to have two of them at once has been absolutely um, mind-boggling from a historical standpoint. So it, the way in which they've changed their games to kind of adapt to being older, the ways in which you see them being used differently by coaches is in itself a kind of like physical testament. You don't even have to say how that's changing. That's making its own narrative. It's going to be once you start subbing them in, once you start seeing them in at minute 65, so it's like a physical embodiment of the way that's going to go. Um, Shireen, how else do we see it in that sport? Another way that's really interesting, particularly in the world of football, is how different leagues represent different things. For a lot of people, the Premier League or playing in Europe, for example, is the hottest place to play. And I'm talking about men's football specifically. So then what happens is you get players like um, David Beckham, Andreas Pirlo, uh, Thierry Henry, David Villa. But they come and they play in the MLS in the United States at the end of their career. So a lot of people argue that the MLS is actually a retirement league. It's where they wrap up their careers, as we know. Beckham retired in LA, um, also was interested in living in the United States as a family here, et cetera, all these things to take into consideration. But the level of play, some could argue, is not as intense or as elite as, as Europe. Um, I don't know if I would say that. Like, I honestly, I, I don't know if I would argue that. Anyways, the point is here is that there's ways in which we see patterns of elite players and top athletes moving to different places. Like when a player moves from the Premier League or La Liga or Serie A, we're like, oh, they're retiring. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I kind of love that for soccer, right? You don't necessarily have that in other sports. You can go down in terms of what's required of you in, in terms of competition and even make more money. Like, that's kind of great. I mean, when Lindsay is talking about women's basketball, they have to give up the bigger paycheck, you know, to continue on. This is, It's kind of the reverse with all these leagues. That's kind of the fun international part of it. And I mean, one of the other things besides Ash Barty was the unretirement of Tom Brady. 
um, the past two weeks. I mean, I never thought for a second that he was going to retire. So I would like to say that I forced everyone to witness my no way. But I was kind of interested in the narrative of families. Like in the past, when athletes would retire, you know, in the 20th century, it was just like never considered that they would be doing that to like help out their family. Like that was nothing you're going to say like, Johan Cruyff retires or Pelé to spend more time with his children. So I think it's actually like kind of progress that we see people even considering that as a factor that they would want to like throw themselves into um, the domestic labor that they hadn't obviously been able to really contribute to that much in terms of all the jokes like, oh, well, Gisela asked Tom to drop the kids off at school and then he immediately unretired. Kind of like was good because it was like recognizing that A, that shit is hard and that B, um, you know, fathers should have to do that as well. And that's really, I could just say, at least from a soccer standpoint, that's like very new. This idea that you would, you know, be excited about spending time with your children and look at fatherhood seriously. That is not something that like in the 1960s, they would have asked male athletes at all, you know. So there's interesting kind of narratives that are being spun um, all the time. Lynn's? Yeah, I mean, it just keeps going on and on. It, I found it weird a couple uh, of weeks ago. Charlie Turner Thorne, we mentioned, I think, in our Torchbearers, the head coach at Arizona State announced she was retiring uh, from women's basketball coaching at the age of 55. And everyone was like, oh, my God, you're so young. You know, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, I don't know. She's made a lot of money. One of the things she mentions was spending time with her parents while they're still alive. And like, I mean, head coaching uh, is a terribly demanding job. <laughs> like, I'm always more surprised when people want to hang on until like their 80s. I'm like, go home and sleep. Like, I don't know. You've earned it. So, but like we talked about earlier, I think the narrative just goes that like for athletes, for coaches, this isn't really a made up media narrative. This is a narrative that's been perpetuated by the athletes themselves. Yeah. You know, that sport is life, that sport is their full identity. Um, I think one of the most interesting things, you know, circling back is like when I think Ash Barty's retirement was such a surprise because in tennis, we're so used to seeing athletes whose entire identity is tied to their competitiveness. I mean, we see it with Tom Brady coming back, right? They don't know who they are off the court, off the field. And so that's, I think one of the things was so disarming about what Ash did was she was like, I'm a 25 year old and I, I know exactly who I am and I know what I want to do and I'm okay with having dreams and identities and wants outside of the tennis court. Like, I don't need this to be who I am. And um, it's a little unnerving whenever someone's that self self-certain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit unnerving, but you know, I think Ash Barty's retirement was such a surprise because in tennis, what we've been seeing lately is more and more athletes pushing the boundaries, right, of um, aging. Tennis is a incredibly demanding sport. It's just you out there, except for in doubles when you've got two people. You're traveling all over the world on a week-by-week -week basis, never knowing, like, where you're going to be next. Um, and there's no guaranteed salaries, right? Like, if you're injured, you're out money. 
And so it used to be a sport where retirement at the age of 30 was very, very, very normal, right? But now you've got a Serena, Venus, Federer, Nadal, even Djokovic, like playing late 30s and 40s and still competing at the top level. And I think it's it's really kind of skewed the perception of how demanding of a sport it is. But um, I think that that's another reason why the tennis world was just completely shocked. Um, because they're used to seeing our stars break down any barrier possible to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, I think we can extrapolate that from sports, you know, as they try to raise this, the age of social security, as people, you know, say, hey, people can live longer. So we live in capitalism. Let's make them work longer. I mean, we don't have pensions anymore. (laughs) Like A lot of people have to keep working after 2009. I had colleagues that lost so much in their retirement that they decided to unretire as well. So, I mean, it's a narrative where, you know, you're happy to see if society can age better and better, but at the same time, you don't want it to be flipped around to now you can just work harder, longer um, type of a thing. So, I mean, speaking of that, then, I just want to wrap up by saying with all of the athletes that have expressed the trouble that they have with retirement, with my own dad who retires and unretires, not as an athlete, about 16 different times. <laughs> I mean, what do we do? What do the sports owe them? What do people do to make this process of uh, the happiest one that it can be? Linz? Uh, to me, this is just where labor unions, labor unions, labor unions are absolutely crucial, right, for setting up funds, for demanding health care and um, ongoing treatment, um, ongoing payouts, um, you know, making sure that there are processes to protect these athletes and their working rights, whether no matter the sport and Also, to go back and make sure that the athletes who came before them and built the foundation of the sport up are taken care of. So when I think of retirement, I just think unions, 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 unions. Just to backtrack a little bit, and I love what Linza's saying. I don't know if you all remember 2015 NCAA tournament, Kevin Ware's injury. Louisville's game against Duke. Now, the reason I bring this up is this young, you know, really talented player. And essentially his bone in the injury came out of his flesh. And this was televised, probably in my opinion, one of the most gruesome injuries I've ever witnessed. And the reason I bring this up is because I started to ask questions and I realized that if he was out and it was career ending, he wouldn't get medical support for that as an amateur athlete, as a student athlete, he wouldn't. But no athlete imagined themselves going out like that, right? Like when you're young, you're 18, you commit to a school or something, you don't think like that. And my point here is just to say, especially just echoing Lindsay on unions, extended healthcare is really important, particularly for folks who use their bodies as their work. Like I think about Kevin Ware a lot, probably more than I should, just because I'm like, I wonder how he's doing. I wonder if he's okay, because that was just frightening. And yeah, you're agile and you're young and your bones are definitely a different level. But again, that type of injury is so severe, that trauma on the body, does he get help? And I only talk about where for the reason that is an example of other young athletes who have had, what do they, what happens to them later? Like, do they get support? And what happens if they have an injury like that later in their career? And what type of benefits do they receive? And I really, and sometimes injuries can affect, depending on what kind of injury you have, can affect other like ways. If you want to have a family later, depending on the injury again, 
Um, so I think about all this stuff. I also live in a country where we have universal health care. So for the most part, I'm like, yeah, that's good. But we don't have physiotherapy covered or dentistry or it's expensive. And like, I think about all these things and how they're, they're human rights and they should have access to this, particularly, like I said, for people that have used their bodies. Yeah, I think um, for the first time we've seen Premier League academies and other academies who, you know, often the boys live there from eight years old on and they get to the age of signing a senior contract at 18 and that's when they'll retire. And I mean, it's it's just brutal and, and you don't know what to do. And oftentimes they're like even, you know, migrants and they've left countries and they can't afford to get back home and the club didn't even provide that. And so there's been like at least a little bit of a reckoning in recent years with this type of a retirement, which is ultimately, you know, you did you just didn't make it or you have one or two years of a contract, but you haven't, you know, you haven't raked in a lot of money and you haven't walked away with a with an education that can arm you ready for the job market. So, you know, there has to be these exit programs and it seems like it's really confusing because it can range from like 18 years old to like, you know, 40 years old. But in any case, there's a need to recognize that the exit from work, um, and unions do do this very well a lot of times, need to be something that we should account for. We love the sport. We love the athletes. You know, let's see them transition in a way that we don't have to wonder, you know, are they okay? Every deep playoff run starts with building an amazing team. Doing the same for your business doesn't take a room full of scouts. You just need Indeed. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Hate waiting? Indeed's US data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Something I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because with virtual interviews, Indeed saves you time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent all in one place. Indeed knows that when you're growing your business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why when you sponsor a job, you only pay for quality applications from resumes in our database matching your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash BlueWire to start hiring today. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This week, I interview John Morosi, NHL and MLB network broadcaster on baseball's new CBA, Spanish language learning in baseball, and what we can expect from the upcoming season. It's just so tired and so like old American way of saying this. Look, here's this young man. He's coming up from, from Mexico. He's 22 years old, but he, you know, but he's never seen major league pressure before. That's nonsense. Turn on a winter ball game. He's got a, a, a crowd of 12,000, that sounds like 55,000, screaming from pitch one to the end of the game. That's pressure. Going to a game and playing the Toronto Blue Jays or playing the Cleveland Guardians, that's not pressure for them. Look, Think about their story. And I, I just, whenever I hear that, I just shake my head and say, you guys just get a clue. Get on a plane and get a clue. And now it's time for the burn pile where we metaphorically throw all of the garbage in sport on a giant pyre 
and um, release all of the evilness from it into, I don't know, maybe some Pandora box where it can never escape. Shireen, what do you want to throw on the pile this week? So basically, you all know I have a problem with men talking generally. <laughs> and this is just another case in point for me. So the International Skating Union apologized last week during the World Championship because one of its commentators made a disparaging, offensive remark about one of the skaters. Simon Reed, who is a British commentator, thought his mic was off and called Megan Duhamel, she's a two-time world pairs champion, he called her that bitch from Canada. And I have no idea what Reed's relationship or knowledge of Duhamel is, but I don't fucking care. This is a problem we know. We've seen in the Olympics the way that a commentator speak about Black women's bodies. We heard them talk about Castor when she ran in Rio. Like, this is such a problem at such a level. And honestly, I'm going to say it like this. Megan Duhamel is a world champion. I've never met her, but seems to be a lovely person. Like, what the fuck, Simon Reed? Anyways, he will be he will be removed and never commentate on those competitions again. That's what the ISU said. Of course, I want to burn this, but I would also like to suggest a policy where men just don't commentate ever on anything. I think this is fair. I don't think I'm asking too much, but in this in particular, I'm I was I'm going to be mad about this for a long time. And the problem is, is that the impunity with which normally they do it, like this type of misogyny, this type of sexism is rampant. He just got caught. That's all. And he hasn't issued a non-apology as of yet, I don't believe. Um, The typical non-apologies that are offered, um, you know, they range from I will talk to my pastor to it's not a reflection of who I am, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't fucking care. I don't ever want to ever hear a man talk about a woman in sports again. Like, I just don't. So I want to take all of that and I want to put it on the burn pile. Burn. Burn. Sadly, this is a burn that's been on the pile before, and it just keeps coming. Last Thursday, March 24th, the U.S. played Mexico in Estadio Azteca. It was a 0-0 tie. Kind of, I mean, I hate to say it, but kind of doesn't matter. They're both qualified. Estadio Azteca didn't even fill up. (laughs) because they made the ticket so expensive as a way to try to discourage what they, you know, how they characterize the quote-unquote riffraff that would say homophobic chants. So I think what we've learned from that is, um, or what we're about to learn is that actually um, homophobia is a cross-class problem. And even if you make tickets very expensive, it can happen because it did. I don't know what to say. I don't even want to put it on the burn pile because, like, I don't even... I'm so upset. It just keeps happening. What the fuck? Like, you're not fans. The players have asked you to stop. The coaching staff has asked you to stop. The president of the country has asked you to stop. And all I can think about is the gay people that were there. Like, at the match. That just, like, love soccer and this team and had to stand right next to someone screaming in the loudest voice possible a gay slur. And it's so awful. And it just keeps happening again and again and again. And, you know, they do these campaigns to drown out the chant and it doesn't work. And there are sanctions and those kind of work. And then as soon as those kind of work, they're like, hey, 
we want to get right back in there and we're sure we're going to take out anybody who does it. But they don't. And they don't. And they don't ban them for the time. And it's just like, also though, like, what in the world makes you want to do that, to hurt and, and create the conditions for normalizing violence against gay people at a soccer match? Like, what is the relationship there right now? When the players have begged you to stop. So anyway, I'll wrap it up. I don't have solutions. I just have burning, burning fire. And you would think that I'm tired of it by now. You would think that like I'm less angry that than I was 10 years ago. But I'm not. I'm not. So haha. I'm going to keep being angry and put you on the burn pile. And you're never getting off of it. Not you terrible so-called fans. Not the Federation. And not anybody that apologizes for it. Burn, burn, burn. Burn. Lynn's. Um, yeah, trigger warning here. Um, talking to Sean Watson, uh, there will be mention of um, sexual misconduct. So I think it's been a couple weeks since we've brought up Deshaun Watson on the show. So I just kind of wanted to burn everything that's been happening with him. And I want to just kind of review. Um, so on March 11th, a grand jury declined to indict um, Watson on criminal charges for the allegations of sexual assault and misconduct from the massage therapist. This was a criminal case in Texas. Immediately after that, um, everybody in the NFL front offices started partying and fighting to get Deshaun Watson on their team. Um, Adam Schefter, NFL insider at ESPN, had a tweet that said, this is why Deshaun Watson, from the beginning, welcomed a police investigation. He felt he knew that the truth would come out. And today, a grand jury did not charge him on any of the criminal complaints. Of course, we know it is very, very hard to go forward with a criminal case and sexual assault cases because of the lack of evidence. And it does not mean that he is innocent. And there are still 22 civil cases going that he is fighting. This did not stop reporters from live tweeting the race to get Deshaun Watson like I don't even know what to compare it to it was probably the most tasteless nauseating things I've seen in sports and it went on for a week and he finally decided that he would sign with the Browns and then things just got ickier from there believe it or not the contract was the largest guaranteed contract in NFL history five-year agreement worth $230 million. The previous highest guaranteed contract was Aaron Rodgers at $150 million. So this is, and then wait for it, wait for it. It gets worse. His base salary for his first year is only $1 million, meaning they are fully expecting the NFL to suspend him during his first year for misconduct. And they structured the contract so that he will lose out on as little money as possible during that year. Is that not the most fucking disgusting shit you've ever heard? Wow. That is like organized. That is some organized, premeditated, disgusting shit. It's very strategic. Yeah. It makes my entire body like coil up. Uh, yes. Once again, the Browns, of course, as we know, the playbook for this, like to say that they had an extensive investigation into um, his conduct. But we know that he did not reach out to the women who accused Watson, 
nor did they wait for the depositions and the civil case to come out, which will become public and we will find out more. Um, that's only a matter of time. Uh, the end of last week in a vomit-inducing, honestly, press conference with the Browns, Watson said over and over again that he never assaulted any women. He never disrespected any women. He said that he was raised by a single mom and aunt. Uh, so he would never disrespect women and also said that he didn't need counseling because he didn't do anything wrong. So um, it's just I shouldn't be shocked that we're here and that it's this bad. Um, I, like a lot of people, began got into the sports writing sphere. A lot of women did around the Ray Rice uh, allegations, which were now like, what, eight, nine years ago at this point. Um and we're still here. Time's a flat circle. It's only getting worse. Burn. I mean, I don't. Burn doesn't. Burn doesn't even cover it. But it can be therapeutic sometimes. So three, two, one. Burn. burn. After all of that awfulness. Uh, let's try to focus for a moment on the people who are out there trying to change the worst of sports and, um, bring out the best in it for this week. Our torchbearers, Shireen. I would like to say congratulations to Alexis Hopkins. She's our flame catcher. She became the first woman in men's professional baseball to be drafted and sign a contract for on-field position for the minor league team, Genomes Baseball in Lexington, Kentucky. And the legal eagles for this week are the Chilean organization and friends of the show, Anhuf, the organization of women's footballers, and they achieved a monumental win when the Chilean Congress passed legislation requiring football clubs actually contract women players. Wow. I know, right? Right? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. This week, we got fire numbers. 216,890 people attended the first and second rounds of Women's March Madness, an all-time record. Just want to say congratulations to Sparks on Ice. Concordia University Stingers women's hockey team won the U Sports Championship. Amazing. All right, let's do a drum roll. <laughs> Lindsay, who are our flamethrowers of the week? Our torchbearers? Our people out there making us, giving us hope? Who else but Ash Barty? Yay! We went through your your accomplishments at the top of the show, so I'm not going to repeat. I'm just going to say you were a leader on the court, and now you're leading with the way you're leaving the court. And um, your legacy will go on forever. And also, homebodies unite. <laughs> <laughs> In dark times, we like to talk about what's good in our world. Shereen. From obscurity to unforgettable, this is the moment the country has waited for. The kings of the north, they've done it. <laughs> Canada is going to the World Cup. Canada going to the Men's World Cup. Friends, the impossible has occurred. I care about men's soccer in Canada. It happens. 
We qualified yesterday beating Jamaica. I'm not going to lie. It is pretty damn exciting. It has been a long time since I've cared about Canadian men's soccer, about 36 years, which was the last time we qualified for the men's world cup. 1986 was the last appearance Canada had in that tournament. So I care. I'm not going to lie and pretend I'm excited. I'm excited to also amplify women's soccer in this country at the same time, but I will allow myself some joy. I'm all about joy these days. I'm also, as I mentioned at the top of the show, all about women's hockey. I just spent a weekend with the PWHPA in Peterborough, Ontario, the home of Quaker oatmeal, which y'all did not know. And it was fun. Also, the headquarters Kawartha Dairy, best ice cream in Ontario, in my opinion. Speaking of ice cream, I got sent a lovely little gift from Righteous Gelato, a Canadian company of gelato. And I made a reel out of it because they sent me like a hoodie. They sent me their new spring flavors and I got to taste them. And I made a cute little video about it on my Instagram and posted it. I use ice cream as a tool of resistance and gelato while I watch sports in particular. So that's been a lot of what my joy is. You know, I had a really fun moment with my son, Saladin. My boys do chores. And um, one of the great reasons to have children is the labor force that they is built in. So he washed the bathroom yesterday and cleaned it all up. And he was so proud of it. He's like, I would like you to come see it. He like lit a candle and put it in there. And I really felt that like there's a tremendous amount of pride when you clean something up. And he was relishing in that pride of cleaning the bathroom. So that was a very special moment. He didn't transition and clean the dishes out of the sink, but that's fine. I'll take the clean bathroom. So that's my joy. Lynn's. Yeah, I am a Final Four bound. I honestly cannot believe it. I leave first thing, first, first, first thing Wednesday morning to go to um, Minneapolis for the Women's Final Four. Uh, This trip is a lot of things among them. The first, like, this is Power Plays. You, if you're a paid subscriber for Power Plays, you are paying for my airfare, paying for my hotel, my Airbnb for a week, paying for all my meals there, like, my first trip with power plays was supposed to be two years ago <laughs> mm-hmm. during that final four. And then of course the pandemic happened and uh, I got, I got out of practice of traveling, but I'm, um, I'm a little overwhelmed. I'm not going to lie. Uh, there's a lot of joy, but there's a lot of, it's a lot. And um, I, especially if you kind of can send me good vibes, I think anyone who's followed me know that I've had extreme difficulties with um, fatigue and, um, energy levels and brain fog and I've been doing better but this this three-week stretch is a real test you guys <laughs> it's just like uh, uh hanging on by a thread and I'm a little worried um it's just a lot of stimulation a lot of not being in a routine but I'm I'm like almost to tears excited about it and just overwhelmed that this is my life oh I love that. We love you, Lindsay. Your yeah. work is phenomenal. I know everything about the final four or the NCAA tournament because of you. Yeah. Aww. And the unit. I now know about the, the unit. unit. The unit. Yes. The unit. Yes. So if yes. you haven't totally. If you haven't subscribed to Lindsay's newsletter, you should be. And I'll just you you'll tell me what you think about the unit. Um, because I, I found it pretty fascinating myself. Um I love a museum, any museum almost. <laughs> And yeah, no, I know. Exactly. So on brand. I know, I know, I know, I know. And I don't even like ice cream and my kids are too awful to do chores. So everything, (laughs) it's like, I'm really digging for joy here. 
Um, the Rubin Museum, which is a collection of Himalayan art, opened the Mandala Lab. It's called It's My Favorite Museum. It's on 17th and 7th Avenue in Manhattan. And they have free Fridays, and it's very pedagogical. And uh, they have this awesome gong exhibit where different artists and different musicians made these gongs in water, and you can kind of like disseminate your anger through these different gongs. I tried every single one of them. Um, I'm not sure if it worked, but one of the people that designed it was Sheila E. Um, she was on the Oscars and also Prince's drummer and also just such a legend. And so I felt like we had this cosmic connection and I was at a museum. So Prince, museum, you know, Eastern philosophy. Yay. So that was my very, very happy um, thing, except also watching Drag Race with my brother, Ryan, uh, which for him is like the final four. (laughs) (laughs) So it was pretty fascinating. So that was what was good in my week. Pretty good. Good stuff. Um, Can I add one more? (laughs) Yes. Because I finished Bridgerton in one go and I was in a hotel room in Peterborough on Friday night and I watched a lot of it. And then I called Jihad because she's she's at school. (laughs) So she watched it all. And then we had a debrief yesterday. So like we talked about the ton. We talked about and you know what? There's massive South Asian representation this year, which is would be really beautiful for us to see because it's something we totally don't see. So like the references to tea, you know. Um, the younger sister calling the older sister Didi, which is a form of respect in many cultures where I'm from and regions. And there's just, it's beautiful. It's different. It's, so it's basically like our obsession with pride and prejudice, but they added some masala <laughs> literally. So love that for me and for all of us. Well, this week we are watching um, Cricket World Cup. The Women's Cricket World Cup semifinals will be um well tuesday when this will come out uh, march 29th australia versus west indies wednesday march 30th south africa versus england and then the final will be saturday april 2nd the day before that april 1st is the um fifa world cup qatar 2022 lottery draw pick so look for um bribery scamming dumb luck whatever you want to call it um to think about our our world cup experience and of course um final fours that's it for this episode of burn it all down this episode was produced by tressa versteg shelby weldon is our web and social media wizard burn it all down is part of the blue wire podcast network follow burn it all down at facebook instagram and twitter Also, listen, subscribe, and rate the show, please, 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 on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn. For show links and transcripts, check out our website, burnitalldownpod.com. And you'll also find there a link to a merch at our bonfire store. Thank you, thank you to our patrons. Your support means the world to us. If you do want to become a sustaining donor to our show, please visit patreon.com slash burnitalldown. I'm Brenda Elsie on behalf of Shereen Ahmed and Lindsay Gibbs. Burn on and not out. And I'll you out and I'll play with the to the screaming.